Well, good morning, church. One of the most depressing, defeating, discouraging phrases that I hear as a pastor these days is the phrase when people come and say, what is the purpose? What's the purpose in all of this? I hear people say it regarding their finances, their marriage, some even their faith, their relationship with church or God. They'll say things like, like, what's the point? Doesn't really seem worth it, all of the work I'm putting into this thing. I'm exhausted. So why should I keep trying? Why should I keep praying? Doing what's right when it doesn't seem to really matter. I don't really see the purpose. I think there's a, a leading idea that people hate pain. I think most of you would agree. In fact, let's just do a show of hands. How many of you would say, yes, I hate pain? Put your, show, show me your hands. Yes, I hate pain. Great. Thank the majority of you. I don't think that's actually true, though. Whoa, Peyton, you call me a liar? Whoa, it's early. Come on, man. I don't think that's actually true. I think people hate pain whenever it doesn't have a purpose. And there is there's a difference between those two things. So when bad things happen and you can't see a logical reason for it, you can't explain it, there doesn't seem to be a reason for it, that's the pain we don't like. So an example of this might be you're driving down the highway and you come upon a horrendous car accident. And there doesn't seem to be a clear reason why that happened. It didn't need to happen, it just happened. It creates pain. If you find out that your spouse has been cheating on you, that catches you off guard. There is no logical reason why it should be happening. It creates pain. When the boyfriend of seven years breaks up with you, when the boss pulls you in his office and said, it's been a good run, but we got to let you go. When the doctor comes in with a clipboard and said, I have really bad news for you today. When you flip open the news and you hear war or devastation happening, innocent lives being taken, and it's easy to find yourself asking, why is this happening? Where is God working in this moment? I'm a good person. I go to church. I read my Bible. I do what I think I'm supposed to do, and I can't see a clear purpose. It doesn't seem fair. People don't hate pain. They'd hate pain when they don't see a purpose for it, when they don't see a reason for the pain. Let me give you some examples on the opposite way. How many of you in here, because here's the reality, some of you not just invite pain, but you actually pay money to experience pain. How many of you have ever run a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon or a full marathon before? Show hands. My hand is up on the bottom half of those things. <laughs> yeah, you paid a lot of money to experience many hours of pain. Why? Because you're crazy? Yes, but also, but also because you recognize the feeling of satisfaction that you would feel crossing that finish line, and so the pain was worth it for you. If you've ever been addicted to something, be it alcohol, or drugs, or pornography, or shopping, 
you recognize the necessity and the desire for the pains of withdrawal if it leads you closer to sobriety. Darian has blessed us with two beautiful boys. One of them was born, our first Arlo was born during COVID. Many of y'all remember our drive-by baby viewing because we both had COVID and you came and looked at him from the window. We did it at home, completely natural. I didn't have any medications. I was doing really good. <laughs> she, has, she as well didn't have any meds. She's a warrior, right? She was amazing through it all. And I bet you, despite all of the pain that she experienced, if you would have come to her holding her baby and leaned down and say, hey, Darian, was it worth it? Would you do it again? Absolutely. Our second son, born about a year ago, little more dramatic birth. His involved middle of the night and ambulances and pools of blood and risk of life and emergency operations. And despite all of that, if you would have leaned down to Darian holding him for the first time and said, Darian, was it worth it? Would you do it again? Hands down. Now, we, we don't mind pain if it has a purpose, if there's a reason attached to it. Here's the reality. Many of you in this room, you are hurting. Maybe you're hurting financially. Maybe your marriage is hurting. Your relationship with your kids. Maybe somebody hurt you. Some of you are just really frustrated right now. Frustrated at politics. Frustrated at war. Frustrated at ideologies. Some of you just don't know what to believe. You're just uncertain. When's the next shoe going to drop? What decisions are my grown kids going to make? What's going to happen to me next? You, in many ways, are a lot like a pumpkin. Bet you didn't think you were going to be compared to a pumpkin this morning, did you? You are a lot like a pumpkin. We look good on the outside, but man, have you ever lifted the top to a pumpkin? Oh, there is a lot of mess inside of a pumpkin. Goo and seeds and muck and yuck and it smells. You know what also is in a pumpkin? Potential. Possibility. Purpose in the right hands. You are a lot like a pumpkin, terrified of the experience of being carved, but welcoming the opportunity to be something different. I'm going to invite some of my helpers up this morning. If you were specifically selected, a couple of you were, and some helpers. So I have a help, two helpers. Some kids are going to start making their way up here. Yeah, come on, Eva. Yeah, come on, bud. We're going to get, I'm going to get your help. I need y'all's help. Y'all start getting your gloves on. Nathan, come on over here. Endure the chaos. <laughs> y'all get y'all's gloves on right here. We got some gloves. I need y'all's help. Okay, can y'all help me? I have this big pumpkin right here, and I have big plans for this pumpkin. Come on around, come on around back so everybody can see you make a mess of yourself. I have big plans for this pumpkin. But the problem is, is that this pumpkin is filled with a lot of yucky stuff that I need your help getting out because I don't want to touch it. So can y'all help me do that? I'm going to take the, like, amazed at latex gloves as a, yes, we will help you do this thing. Or rubber, whatever these things are. I don't know what they are. 
All right, while they're doing that, while they're helping, y'all just get started. Y'all are just going to put all that gunk in those bowls for me. Y'all get to watch them do all of that. While they do that, I'm going to read to you a song that I found. Now, there's nothing special about this song. Don't think it's religious in any context or the person even intended for it to be that. But it does connect what I'm trying to make the connection of, of us in connection to (laughs) a pumpkin. So you can listen. You don't have to listen. But here we go. This is by Stephanie Eden, a brilliant singer and songwriter. She writes, One October, a pumpkin grew full of seeds and thoughts. She said, I don't want to be one of those that sits around and rots. Pick me now because I want to be like other pumpkins I've seen, with a picture and a warming light for kids on Halloween. But the other pumpkins warned her it's a process you can't handle, being scraped and carved right to the flesh till you're cleaned out for a candle. Hollow me, hollow me, hollow me, make me shine, make me shine. The pumpkin, she was determined, her fate was in decoration. But with the first stab of the knife, she thought, time for reconsideration. They were right, she thought, I'd be better off as a pie or on the vine. Why wasn't I satisfied as a big orange squash? Why did I want to shine? But the carver's hands were gentle, and she could sense the jubilation. As he held her and he made his plans in great anticipation. Hollow me, hollow me, hollow me, make me shine, make me shine. As he began to scrape inside, she found, to her seeds she was attached. She was afraid without all her junk inside, she'd be more likely to be smashed. But she noticed, too, a feeling of freedom as she was emptied. All the space and possibilities, like holding light instead of seeds. Though she never had felt pain as a pumpkin on the vine, the pain could not come close to how good it felt to shine. Hollow me, hollow me, hollow me, make me shine. Follow me, follow me, follow. If you want to shine, make me shine. Let's give them a round of applause for helping me. Thank you all so much. That is all the help that I needed. Here, let me help you. Get that so we don't make a mess of these nice clothes. All right, y'all can go back to your moms and dads and they can smell like pumpkin too. Thank y'all so much. While they're uh, making their way off stage, I want to tell you about a verse in the Bible that bothers me. Am I allowed to be bothered by verses in the Bible? Here I am. It's a a verse that bothers me. It comes from Luke chapter 22, verse 31. We're just going to look at this verse this morning. It says, Simon, Simon. Now, this is Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked me to sift all of you as wheat. Okay, let's pause for a second. Let's think about what's happening. The devil has approached Jesus and said, hey, you got your disciples that are starting to follow you. I want to test them. I want to send them through some trials. I want to really, really bring on the hurt, see if they really are followers of you. Basically, the devil's saying, Jesus, let me embarrass your disciples. Let me humiliate them. Let me make them feel ashamed. Or how about this? I could make it harder for them to imagine 
the kingdom of God and what he's doing in the world. Now, here's what I imagine Jesus would say. You have to come through me first. You want to get to my disciples? Come on. I'll take you on 1v1, devil, and I know Jesus will win that battle, right? Is that what Jesus is going to say? Not quite. He says this instead, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Wait a second, wait a second. Okay, so the devil approaches Jesus and says, hey, I want to test your disciples. I want to bring on the pain. I want them to experience hurt and failure. And Jesus just says, so I'm going to be praying for you. I'm like, Jesus, can we skip the praying part and get to where you're like kicking the devil out the door? Can we like get straight to the kicking the devil's butt part? I don't want to have anything to do with the prayer part because that involves me experiencing pain, and I don't know about that. Because it feels like we're under attack in our life, doesn't it? You feel like you're under attack. Like Satan has asked, can I torment your disciples for you? With war raging all around us, some of you have lost your jobs or are struggling to find jobs. Financially, you feel restrained. Some of you feel stuck or paralyzed. And you're wondering, how long does this pain last? When does it go away? What is the purpose in all of it happening? Presidential crisis. Some of you are hoping to get married one day, but don't see any prospects. Some of you want to get married one day, but barely can afford your rent. Some of you have college degrees, but aren't using it. You feel undervalued, underemployed. Others of you feel like you're failing in your business, failing in your marriage. Some of you feel like you're failing as parents, failing as providers. And whenever the devil is attacking you, here's what I want you to remember. God is preparing you. He is preparing you in your pain. Sometimes God's preparation comes packaged as pain. I like to look at Simon Peter in moments like this. I love having Peter as an example because Peter makes me feel a lot better about my life. And I feel like everybody needs a friend like that. Where it's like, you make a mistake and it's like, yeah, but at least, you know, look at Peter. At least I'm making that kind of mistake. Everybody needs a friend like Peter. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about some of the high, highest low points of Peter. Some of the big moments where he messed up the most. And what I want to do together is try to figure out how could God possibly be using this failure for his purpose. Let me put a couple of, on the example. Let's get the first one. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to die it's happening. It's happening soon. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to raise on the third day, and new life is going to come. And Peter says, well, that sounds all right, but I got a better plan for you, Jesus. Jesus literally looks at Peter and says, you are a stumbling block. Get behind me, Satan. A little faith tip. If Jesus ever calls you Satan, not a good thing, <laughs> right? Not a good thing for Peter. Matthew chapter 26, what Jesus said would happen is happening. The last night of his life, he's in the garden. He knows the cross is coming. He's petrified. He's scared. He's having a, some kind of mental breakdown. He's asking his closest friends, will you just go over there and pray for me? And I'll go over here and pray as well. 
Moments later, they're sawing logs. Peter is snoring out loud because he can't even stay awake in his friend's darkest moment. John chapter 18, when Peter does wake up by the torchlights piercing the garden night, he comes out swinging. He gets his sword and just starts swinging at people's heads. Here's what I love about this moment, is even the thing that Peter was doing, he fails at that. Like he's going for the guy's head, he ends up just getting his ear. He can't even swing a sword right. And then you have this like moment, this break, where Jesus is like, stop, everybody stop. Somebody help me find this guy's ear. I think it might have fell over there, but someone look over there too. Let me reattach it for you. Peter, stop. And then Luke chapter 22, the epitome of failure. Jesus is on trial. He's at a distance. Peter can see him. He's over by campfire watching, almost like cloaked, hidden in secrecy. And a little girl comes to him and says, wait, I recognize you. Aren't you one of Jesus' friends? And three times, Peter said, do not associate me with that man. I don't know him. Peter was watching Jesus, but Jesus was watching him. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. Peter, you're going to disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. I imagine Peter felt like a failure in that moment. I imagine Peter feels like some of us may feel, maybe now, maybe at some point in our life, like a pumpkin. Full of potential and possibility on the outside, we like to put on a pretty face, but on the inside, man, if, if people could just see what's on the inside, they wouldn't have anything to do with me. If people could just see what I see, nobody would want to have anything to do with me. If people could just see what I see, if you could just see what God sees. You are a pumpkin. We're all pumpkins. We all have mess on the inside. But you are a pumpkin in the hands of a carver. One that has greater purposes for you than you might be able to see right now. He saw it in Peter. God had a plan with all of Peter's failures, all of his pain. There was a purpose because sometimes God's preparation comes packaged in pain. Here's my encouragement to you. Stop looking at your life from the perspective of your pain. Stop letting pain be the filter that you see your life. Here's all the things that I've lost. Here's all the ways that it hurts. Here's all of the ways and reasons why it's not fair. That is life through the perspective of your pain. Instead, view your pain from the perspective of God's purpose. That God is using, he's preparing you in your pain. Or as, I clicked it the wrong, yeah, your pain from the perspective of purpose. There you go. Okay, or as, as Paul says it in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things, church, say all things. Church, say all things. And we know that in all things, in your failing marriage, in all things, in your rebellious children, in all things, in your financial crisis, in all things, God works for the good of those 
who love him, who have been called according to, check this out, his purpose. That breakup that you experienced, the bad investment that you made, the decision that you regret to this day, God is working in all things for the good of God's purpose. Not for the good of your pain, for the good of his purpose. Let's close out on this verse. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. He's bringing the pain. And I'm not standing in the way. I'll be praying for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You see, Jesus knew Peter would fail. Jesus knew Peter would doubt that he would cower He called him out. He said, you're going to deny me three times to my face. Before daytime even comes, you will deny me. But Jesus also knew that Peter would turn back. He knew that he would get stronger from the experience. That he would use that experience to strengthen other people. You see, Peter's pain, Peter's failures... It was God preparing him to preach in Acts at Pentecost, where 3,000 souls were gathered to hear the very first person preach on the risen Jesus, the one who said the story of the gospel and said, repent, be baptized, give your life to Jesus, and he will forgive you. And Peter says, I know that to be true because he forgave me. Because if he can forgive me, denying him to his face three times, you better believe he can forgive you too. God was preparing Peter for Pentecost and for many other things. That's a purpose. And I bet you, I bet you, I don't know this for sure, but I bet you, after 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom that day, and if you leaned in to Peter and said, hey, Peter, was it worth it? Was it worth all the pain and failures? I bet you he'd say yes. You don't always see it, but we choose to believe it. You don't know how God is working behind the curtain of your life. Your pain, your experience, he's working and doing something with it. He's carving out a greater purpose for you in your circumstances. So for you right now, if you're a parent and you're feeling a lot of pain of parenthood, staying up at night, scared about the future, uncertain about making the right decisions, it's hard to see the purpose in it all whenever you're exhausted. Love your kids well. God will do something through it. If your marriage is struggling right now, Satan's going to try to get in there. He's going to try to wedge his way in between you two to push you apart because if he can destroy your marriage and your relationship, he can destroy a lot of other lives that are connected to your marriage. Guard up. Maybe for others of you, it's a ministry or a business idea, but you're hesitant. You've failed too many times. You're uncertain if you can take that leap. Trust that God has prepared you for something greater. Or maybe some of you are just spiritually complacent. Just, you're stuck. You're paralyzed. You don't know what to do in your faith, but so you just don't do anything. 
Surrender. Surrender your life to Jesus, and he'll do something in it. God never wastes a hurt. Use your pain, your hurt, your fear, your uncertainty, and God will bring it out for good. As a church, as we move forward, we've been talking about 75 years, we're all anticipating the future. Here's my encouragement to us, that we stop looking at our life through the perspective of our pain. Jesus doesn't protect us from pain. He prays for us. He gives us what we need to get through it, but doesn't protect us from it. The world's not going to go easy on us. Life isn't going to go easy on us because we gave our life to Jesus. Instead, view our pain through the perspective of God's purpose in our life. We trust that God is doing something regardless of what we experience. We trust it's not wasted. And we trust that we can experience, we can even welcome pain if we see God's purpose in it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this church and the people that are here. God, I want to thank you for 75 years you've blessed this church and 75 more that if we are faithful to you, that you will give us. Father, I thank you for pain, not something that we pray for very often, but one that is so necessary as we are molded and shaped in your image. Father, we welcome the pain. We invite it into our life because it is a realization that we might be growing. We might be stretching ourselves. We might be uncomfortable for our faith. Father, help us not cower from discomfort or cower from pain. Help us be bold, recognizing that there is redemption found in you for all the failures we experience. And God, you are boldly pushing us forward to continue to go and fail and succeed in your name. God, thank you for the example of Peter, of the list of failures that were preparing him for Pentecost. Father, I don't know what Pentecost looks like in our life, that moment that you are preparing us for, but God, help us stay faithful as we know you are working behind the scenes. God, we are pumpkins filled with muck and yuck, filled with hope and possibility. Only though, God, if we're in the hands of a carver with a greater purpose for us. So God, thank you. Thank you for the comforting hands of you as we look forward to what you have planned in our life. We give it to you. We give it to Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.